Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the 9320 Pod Friday Show, brought to you on Thursday, as City continue with their packed schedule, weather permitting. Uh, we'll be looking back at Wembley, at ribbons, trophies, moronic Arsenal players, and forward to two more big games in the next three days, or what I hope are two <laughs> games in the next three days. I'm delighted to be joined by the one and only Steve Tudor, Mr Daisy Cutter. Good morning. Yes, not bad. Uh, almost into afternoon here because kind of held off waiting for an announcement on uh, the Arsenal game. And it wouldn't surprise me if they called it off at 7.43pm. But uh, as it stands, it looks like it's going ahead at the moment. Uh, they've got weather worse than us here in the northwest, So we will assume it's going ahead. Uh, but before we look forward, uh, I want to look back and I've got a tough question for you. So we're going a bit political. Uh, the, ye- the yellow ribbon, I mean, I know it's probably been discussed to death by now. What are your thoughts on it? Because uh, uh, we've not heard from you after, you know, the on the review after the game. Uh, do you think Pep's opened himself up to criticism by being an ambassador for Qatar or working for City, considering our owners? Or is this just a personal thing for him that he's perfectly entitled to be passionate about? Uh, well, firstly, get you, Jeremy Paxman. Uh, secondly, he, he's not an ambassador for Qatar um, or, or anywhere else. He's not. Um, he's he's a, a manager of a football club, and his personal politics affords him the right to don a ribbon on his, on his garment if he so wishes. I can also see the other side of it, which is uh, people bringing up the hypocrisy. I do. I accept that. I get that, uh, and I also get why people are saying that the FA were entirely right to, to charge him because it is against FA rules. They're, they're the governing body. They make the rules. They're all out there, clear for everyone to see, and Pep's in breach of that. That being said, their decision to charge him baffles me a lot. I know Mourinho brought it up like the snivelling little snitch that he is, but once he'd done so, all the tension kind of... Uh, flowed back to Mourinho for his act for his you know for his snitching essentially no one really made an issue of it 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 just kind of ceased to exist you know in matches Pep Guardiola had a yellow ribbon on it on his coat no one said anything no one had a problem with it Um, no one was talking about it so for the FA to choose two days before a cup final to kind of bring this into the light and make an issue of it is perplexing for many reasons, for timing, for one, but also because it's a battle they simply can't win. Pep is an incredibly principled man. He will stand by his beliefs. He has a code of ethics. The FA do not. The FA are small men with smaller morals, and they will lose this battle, and it will get to the stage where it becomes a huge issue. Now, well, I've I've discussed this in, in you know on, on Twitter and kind of I've written an article about it and some of the feedback I've had again I accept this but what people have said is well if they didn't do this and then someone wore a, a you know Britain first kind of badge a manager or you know and you just know that'd be Sean Dyche wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> allegedly allegedly of course but if someone wore something where people might find you know might be offended by a political statement then the FA would be you know hypocritical to then kind of um, act if they hadn't done so with Pep 
my response to that is, so what? They, they're always hypocritical. Governing bodies, not just the FA, all governing bodies across the world, whether it's in sport or politics or government, everyone, every one of them are, are hypocrites. They will act in certain uh, instances and won't in others. They'll turn blind eyes here and there. They'll kind of, you know, uh, contradict themselves. That's what they do. And so if that's the worst thing that they're trying to avoid, the fact that in the future, somewhere down the line in some imaginary scenario, they might be accused of kind of being hypocritical, that is the, the lesser of all the evils that was available to them, I think, before they proceeded to, to charge Pep Guardiola. Fair enough. Uh, well, there's always a line in the wear of what you could wear. You know, I could wear a completely non-political pin bad, you know, a little pin on my uh, coat as a manager. Uh, you wait for think the yellow ribbons does not contravene, you know, rules. Uh, the FA do. The FA who fought for poppies for so long on shirts, so just goes to show uh, different rules. But, yeah, but who, yeah, it's sub- for themselves, and they say, right, this is basically uh, an FA-approved cause... Well, what's that? Who are they to approve a cause? You know, so there is an aspect to it as well. It's it's like if they decide to kind of promote a, a charity, for example, good on them. Or if they decide to promote, um, you know, kind of kick racism out of football, or or you know, kind of um, something for the LGBT community, or, or whatever that is, good on them. That's great. But who the hell are they to be selective in their morality? Well, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean. I- the feeling is that he'll keep wearing it, but I'm not sure he will. He might. The, po- the problem I've got with the, you know, what a hypocrite he is. As you said, we're all hypocrites. Uh, obviously, that I think uh, the ownership of our club has brought out a whole army of bedroom human rights activists who couldn't give a flying uh, beep about what's going on in the Middle East until it involved a football club they don't like. Uh, which... Which doesn't, yeah, which doesn't make it right. I mean, the people who are deeply concerned about human rights are perfectly entitled to to bring these matters up. The people who are deeply concerned about it, not people who just want to have a dig at United. Uh, my other problem is, I mean, this is not a topic we can really discuss in uh, in depth right now, and I don't feel I'm an expert enough. Uh, we're all hypocrites as fans. We'll turn a blind eye to the clothes you wear, the iPhone, where it's made in, you know, for a sweatshop. We don't care less, to be honest, if it's a good price. And do you draw the line at ownership of clubs or sponsorship deals, all right? Because United and loads of other clubs have, of course, absolutely neck deep in sponsorship deals in the Middle East uh, with Russian Aeroflot, government-owned companies from dictatorial countries. So where do you draw the line? Is it just ownership or sponsorships? Uh, It's part the thing with Pep is I feel he's, of course, he's more deeply principled about Catalonia. That's his, it absolutely defines him as a human being. It, you know, to use, to use a horrible example, I feel I'm going off point here. I, you know, I would, a terrorist attack in my home city hit me harder than a terrorist attack in another city, even though I was deeply hit by the terrorist attack in another city. So it's not really that surprising that Pep Guardiola feels deeply about Catalonia issue more than anything else but 
I think to sum up, we are all hypocrites and I think it's unfair to just use it as a stick to beat a club with unless you actually uh, care passionately about it. Yeah, I completely agree with that that point. I think that's far too prevalent uh, on social media particularly where people are, you know, describing him earlier as he's kind of, you know, in their bedrooms and that's what they're doing. They're doing a little bit of Googling but what they're doing, they're basically just point scoring at another another fan base's expense. Well, that's not reason or cause enough to do that it's you know all, all you're doing there is kind of belittling um an issue um and and being part of the problem frankly uh i am in terms of my politics i'm extremely left-wing i've always took a, a a lot of interest in kind of um in human rights and i support manchester city i can do both of those things and if that makes me a hypocrite so be it but i, I can't ex- really explain as to why but it sits comfortably with me. I can support Manchester City, I can like our owners, and I can still be appalled at what goes on in some countries of this world. Yeah, that's fair enough. We'll probably talk about... I mean, the uh, just final point, a lot of few journalists who brought it up. And again, they're entitled to ask a question. I'm not going to get angry about someone like Rob Harris asking him. Uh, he's put himself in that position to be asked questions. Uh you know, that's his role. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but of course, they see his responsibility to the practices of his, of Pep's, you know, Pep's responsibilities are bigger towards his own owners than these journalists are for their owners, who, of course, are, you know, pretty appalling people for a lot of, a lot of newspaper owners. But I, don't, I really don't see how that argument carries much weight, to be honest. If, you, if we're all, you know, if they're if they're willing to work for a newspaper, and I don't blame them for doing that. I mean, what if a Daily Mail offered me? I mean, they wouldn't. Offered me a job writing about football tomorrow. Well, I'm not responsible for the Daily Mail's owners or their news reporting, so, you know, would I be a hypocrite for taking a job in a football? You know, there's plenty... You know, I think of Martin Blackburn at the Sun. I hate the Sun, but I wouldn't hold that against Martin, who I think is a very decent person does a good job. It's more their news reporting I have a problem with, so... I don't think we can all just turn a blind eye, though. Yeah, I don't think Pep's got a greater responsibility than a journalist has for the, the organisation he represents. Well, I, I mean, you know, that, that that saying about he without sin, you know, cast the first stone, that truly belongs in biblical days. You know, it, it's we are in a very complicated world and no one is without sin. And yet you have every right to throw stones at something you think is very wrong. And when it comes to Rob Harris... I, on one level, I was, you know, I was applauding him from afar. I was thinking, good on you. That is great. A journalist, a journalist asking a deeply unpopular, divisive question to, to a, a Premier League manager. Fantastic. More of that, please. That's where I go on to the next level, which is, let's see if we do see more of that. Or let's see if it's just to Pep Guardiola, because it does strike me. Uh, and this, we can kind of include Mancini in this as well, where at one stage, you know, journalists were asking such strong questions towards Mancini and trying to trip him up as well, aware that it was a second language and etc. And they weren't, you know, they were giving an easier ride to other managers who were they, they were somewhat beholden to and somewhat friendly with or in fear of, you know, Alex Ferguson being one. Let's see if that's the case here, because if Rob Harris in the next six months asks a question to you know, Josie Mourinho, for example, and I see that and think, wow, fair play to you, then my estimation of Rob Harris will go up tenfold. 
until he does, let's just see if he just if he's just got the guts to do it to uh, let's say an easier target, you know, in, in Pep Guardiola, a nicer person. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about football. Oh, I got, I got quite angry there. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed your anger. <laughs> let's keep it off. Now, get angry about Jack Wilshere in a bit if you want. Oh yeah. Let's okay. talk about yeah, yeah. winning a football trophy first. Okay. I can't be angry at that. Uh, no. You were on the review show, so uh, your general thoughts. Looking back now, uh, the dust has settled. A 3-0 win that just, in the end, was just literally like a training uh, match. Uh, from the For the last half hour, I thought it was a training match. It was uh, one team had given up, one team thought, well, we'll, we'll, we'll declare on what we've got. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match as a whole? Um, as regards to it being a, a cup final... With Manchester City in it, it it was somewhat strange, wasn't it? It was. Um, I went off for a cigarette halfway through the second half, and you know it would be a massive exaggeration to say I was bored because I wasn't. I was anything but bored. It was City in the cup final, but the result was over. It was so, like you say, it was so pedestrian and so straightforward. And I thought I fancy a cigarette, and I'm going to go out for one. I would never do that. You know, if I go back at the other kind of trips to Wembley in, in recent years. It's inconceivable mm-hmm. to imagine me doing that. Um, and really, I, I know a lot of Blues will have a problem with this because they fe- felt that, particularly in the, in the commentary, too much emphasis was placed on Arsenal's failings and not enough on the fact that City were winning, you know, a, a major trophy. But really, that is how it was. You know, City turned up. They did their, their usual job. They weren't amazing. And they absolutely weren't under par in any department. Uh, they were professional and, you know, they, 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 they did the business. Arsenal were a disgrace. They they, <laughs> they just were, though, weren't they? And uh, Gary Neville's kind of um, harshness and, and, and in his criticism, I think, was entirely justified. It was surreal to see them just kind of traipse around the pitch at 2-0 down. It's two goals. You get a goal back, you just don't know what's going to happen there. And yet, they'd given up the ghost at 2-0. Um, so it was remarkably straightforward. How was it in the ground, Howard? Was kind of, did, did City fans relax? Could you feel kind of uh, any any absence of tension there? Yeah, it was a strange atmosphere. I don't f- feel... It's hard to know in such a big ground... Uh, it didn't feel like the greatest, you know, it wasn't the biggest Wembley match we've ever been to. There's obviously been bigger stakes in other stuff, but I think, obviously, so desperate to get that first trophy and to pair it up with the league title and make it a good season come what may uh, and put the Wigan debacle to bed. Well, at least we can forget about it for now. Uh, atmosphere was okay, being, you know, but it got better with every goal and there was certainly, I would say, from 2-0 up, there was a pretty relaxed atmosphere because it, it seemed pretty obvious that... Uh, I mean, I still wanted that third goal, but it seemed pretty obvious that Arsenal just did not have a lot in response. Uh, and that even... Maybe not even from 3-0 were the teams going through the motions, probably from 2-0. Uh, because, yeah, I, I think uh, that second goal changed everything uh, because it... You just couldn't see them creating enough chances to get back into the game. So, yeah. Uh, as well, in the ground, was it as much a celebration of the fact that it was Vinny scoring 
as you know the fact that City scored the second. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant to <laughs> see. It just just brings you back to uh, the goal against United in two thousand and twelve. Uh, not quite as big, but you know, the same reaction. Uh, yeah, brilliant. I mean, just look at the three goal scores. It was, it was. If you could hand pick your scores, that would be pretty great. Uh, yeah, the only thing that took away from it, and we we were going to discuss this, and then we decided we were bored. <laughs> to death about it was Vars uh, was it mentioned on the telly because my only problem was and I was a huge Vars advocate and I've pretty much <laughs> gone uh, 180 degrees if that's the right term I've changed my mind a lot over this when uh, when Aguero you know lobbed a spinner I started celebrating wildly and then I stopped celebrating because you just don't know if City are actually in the lead uh, and it felt the same against company. I was like, oh my God, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But then you're waiting. You're waiting to see, what's the referee doing? Is he in his ear? You know, can I celebrate this goal? And it just took away a bit from the, the emotion of a cup final goal or big goal. So you're celebrating at about 80% you know, of the level that you would. Uh, was it mentioned on the telly or did they just say it's a goal and then? I am. Uh, yeah, because it's hard to recall because I was, you know, off running semi-naked places, you know, in celebration itself. Um, but yeah, I, I don't recall anything, particularly in the first goal. Um, it was just a given that it was, it was, you know, um, allowed. So I, I, I might be wrong there. I, like I say, when when um, when Suzu scored, I went crazy, and so I, I don't, you know, I'm not aware of what happened in the two two minutes after that. Um, but and certainly with company, there was absolutely no. Um, doubt. So, but that is really interesting what you're saying there. That that's kind of, you know, you're not going to be alone in that, are you? And, yeah. and that is such a huge part of football that the actual live celebration, the reward for spending so much money and and so much time and trouble getting to games. Uh, and if that reward is compromised, that's surely a big significant factor in 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 VAR. So it's um. Yeah, it's really interesting you saying that. Yeah, now I've written elsewhere. It's not. It's not really a game for people in the stadium anymore. It's a game for people at home. It seems uh, that's why we're kicking off at half four on a Sunday afternoon in a cup final. And that's why tonight we we basically, you know, Thursday night, and we're not sure yet if a game's going ahead because fans pretty much are the low, you know, so low down in terms of priorities and consideration. Um, you know, I've I've seen report about tonight's game written in all sincerity and it they all amount to depending on the weather well duh <laughs> you know what, what do you think you know what what do you think city fans are thinking that's the, you know is the other consideration of course it's for weather so what what you would like to see and i'm changing the subject here and moving on to tonight but what you'd like to see it's just some consideration given to fans who are about to, or currently underway, travelling to the other end of the country. Yeah, well, I mean, it's on telly, so that will be an influence on them delaying a decision uh, or going at, more likely to go ahead with it because yeah, because it's on television. Uh, simple as that. Uh, quickly, before we do look ahead to that game, which, as I say, I still think is going ahead, uh, the reaction of Wenger and Wilshire. I almost said Wenger and Wilshire then. <laughs> uh, uh, 
exactly what we expect from these sore losers is what I've put in uh, my notes. Uh, apart from Wilshire's inaccuracies in his statement, is it it's deeply embarrassing for a player t- to come out, you know, even if he was accurate, deeply embarrassing for a player to come out like that and symptomatic of kind of malaise at that club or well, going over the top there. Uh, because I should just add, sorry, that, you know, I think Aysan said to us uh, off air, you know, the bitterness of Arsenal fans, but, well, he didn't say they were bitter. Yeah, he suggested worthy. And every response I've seen from Arsenal is like, you know, shut up, Wilshire. We were terrible. We deserved nothing. And you're wrong on what you've said. So I've not seen any bitterness from them. Uh, I've just seen bitterness from the manager, moaning as he does, and uh, Wilshire. Hmm. Well, I think in, in general... Uh, Arsenal supporters now have you know in the s- seven stages of grief they finally <laughs> yeah. reached acceptance now uh, and from that I, I think their, their response after the cup final was um, on the whole of course you know certain kind of YouTube channels being the exception but on the whole the response of Arsenal fans I thought were really was really commendable um, there was a lot of honesty I saw on, on Twitter from them um, and which is a lot more than can be said of, of you know, their young midfielder or, well, forever young midfielder. How old is he now, Wiltshire? You know, the future of English football, not anymore. He's he's just an embarrassment, isn't he, Jack Wiltshire? He's just a little yeah. ratty embarrassment. Um, I can't stand the fella. And so that might well colour my judgment of how, what he puts uh, and how he words it. But, if he could just spell, that would be a start. <laughs> that would help considerably. Um, or employ someone who can. Employ someone who can, because, you know, if, if a City player released that, as he did, that, that's kind of statement, um, making excuses for a, a woeful performance, um, having been the snidiest little git on the pitch by some distance as well and trying to get opponents sent off and diving here, there and everywhere... And then to misspell it, left, right, and centre, um, I would just be embarrassed. So, yeah, there's not a lot really more to say. And it's, it's just Jack Wiltshire. Everyone knows what he's like. It's like Bellamy said about John Terry that time. Everyone knows what Jack Wiltshire's like. Uh, as for Wenger, he, he is becoming a bitter old man. He, there's no question about it. It's perhaps being complimentary about him this week. Uh, and I saw on Twitter a City fan saying, look, why is why is it so important to Pep to get on with Wenger? It's not going to happen. Wenger's just going to snipe back at him because he's turned into a grumpy, bitter old man now. And that's, that's, who, that's who he is. So both reactions were entirely unsurprising to me. Um, and yeah, all round, Arsenal did not come out of it with a great deal of credit. I mean, we're going to move on to tonight's game shortly. Then things might change. Um, but if we're looking at you know the final on Sunday and the reactions afterwards, Arsenal just had a mare, didn't they, all around? So just a quick question before we move on to looking forward to the games coming up. Uh, I've seen a bit of criticism. Obviously, the stadium emptied out from Arsenal fans. Some of them after probably the third goal. Would we really have been any different if you'd been in the uh, stadium and lost three 0 Would you have hung around to watch the other team collect the trophy? I certainly didn't after Wigan scored the goal uh, and full-time went. I was straight out of there. 
is it a bit harsh to expect Arsenal fans to stay around? It's not, I mean, it's not the 1970s anymore. It's very tribal. and Fans don't really do that anymore, do they? No, I, I don't blame them one iota for leaving. That's exactly what I'd do. Uh, if you're losing the cup final at Wembley, it's a horrible experience. Why prolong yeah. that? It's um, you can be, you know, in this modern world now, you can be sporting um, with your comments on social media. You don't have to kind of stay around and, and do it in person. Um, so yeah, no, no blame attached to them for that at all. Okay, well, let's look forward to us. Obviously, we're playing them again. Hopefully, uh, what can we expect? I think City have only. I mean. Is this a completely different game? Obviously, it's at Arsenal. I think we've only won one in 32 there. The home record is good for all their criticisms. You know, the many criticisms of what's gone on in the last few months, year, three years, five years, whatever. Are we going to get a wounded animal? Or is the fact that they're at home anyway changes the whole dynamic of this uh, game? Both. Um, I, I would thoroughly expect, if they've got anything about them, Arsenal to respond in a, in a positive manner um, and to really kind of, you know, come at us uh, and look, you know, to, to, to prove a point. Uh, they've been under an horrendous amount of criticism in the past few days and of the most, you know, harsh kind as well because, you know, their character has been questioned. This simply isn't a case of a team out of form um, and, and getting a few kind of jibes thrown their way. This was, you know, fundamental questions asked of who they are and what they stand for so I would expect them to really have a go at us tonight um, and as you say that their home record's good their, certainly their home record against us is extremely good um, and it's it's going to be a really really difficult fixture exacerbated more so by the fact that we've just come off the back of a cup win so we're kind of will complacency set in or you know because we've discussed this before all, all you need is you know, 2% of of a drop in standards uh, in the Premier League for that to be a factor. So, all round, I'm not particularly looking forward to tonight. Um, I'm thankful that I'm not going, and, you know, my heart goes out to all the Blues who are make, currently making a trip as we're chatting away in our warm homes um, for a game that still might not go ahead. Um, so, yeah, if, if someone offered me a draw now, I'd I would snatch your hand off. I'd be very happy with that because um, it's going to be an extremely difficult fixture. So, I mean, looking at the city side, do you think our attitude is will be different? Is there, or should they be professional? Have they completely put the cup final to the back of their minds by now? Uh, they've only travelled down today as well, so yeah, just strange. Yeah, that, that is, and when you saw the pictures of them as well in the, in the kind of snow. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not looking good right now, is it, weather-wise? So that's going to be a factor too. You know, we have to include the weather in this. If a game does go ahead, uh, who kind of gets the ball down and is able to play on, on in such conditions? Um, as regards to City and the players, they're so ultra-professional these days. It, um, you know, when, when I said before about complacency, I really am only talking about 2%, and it's a 2% that can't be drilled into you externally. You know, yeah. from from the from the uh, coaching staff, it's just entirely unintentionally internal. Just a little drop in standards, a little bit of satisfaction um, from the weekend that still resides in them. Uh, and if that's there, then it could be a problem. Um, 
having said that, this Manchester City team and seeing them, you know, all season, I would be surprised if that was the case. I'd be surprised if it wasn't the same exceptional standard of commitment and, you know, quick movement and imagination and all of those other things. I would expect all that to be prevalent tonight. Um, it's just who we come up against. That's, that's my biggest concern. Before we look at us, uh, Mkhitaryan can play again. Uh, what do you think about this player? He's obviously an assist king in the Bundesliga, but it seems seems a brittle player, kind of perfect for Arsenal then in that respect. Uh, would he Will he affect anything about how tonight will go? Yeah, absolutely he will. I mean, for one thing, he I know he pops up kind of here, there and everywhere, but... Um, he's quite a dangerous player out wide as well out on out on the right he tends to he likes to drift out to the right and so that would have for me for my thinking i would be initially inclined to start Sinchenko uh, instead of Danilo yeah. for tonight but then if Mkhitaryan with him playing and with his kind of tendency to drift out into wide areas that could be a danger because he's a very nimble and, and clever player um he just happened to not ever track back or do any of the dirty work and so he is you put it bang on mate he's, he's a brittle player he's perfect for Arsenal he's he has the capacity to be exceptional on his day and anonymous the following week so he's he's just pure Arsenal he's he's Ozil Mark 2 um, yeah. only less so you know not not as good so I've not uh, got the stats of him yet has he no no and just all round as well Ozil is just a, a more kind of superior talent I think so um it, it is a factor that he's playing tonight, whereas he, he wasn't at the weekend. And also, as well, just kind of up front, they look so isolated at the weekend. Um, and so with Mkhitaryan there, you would expect that to be less of an issue for them. Yeah, uh, I think Monreal's out, into, but otherwise they've got a fully fit squad. Uh, do you think, I mean, someone asked on Twitter, I'm sorry, I can't remember who, because we haven't, we're not going to have time for questions because of the double... Uh, it's gone on a bit longer than we thought, probably, uh, but we'll save any questions. But someone did mention, it's. I don't think it's complacency, but it suggests that we don't, as we saw in the cup final, we don't always start on fire, something we mentioned before. Uh, do you think tonight will be any different? And Do you think us getting the first goal would see them their heads drop again? Or does it not matter who scores first? No, no, I, I think in this instance, usually that is a case where it's, it's not, you know, a huge concern, it's not a huge um, consideration. I think tonight definitely is. If we go ahead, then it'll be very interesting to see how the crowd responds to that. Uh, and I think it's very feasible that the heads might drop. Um, I mean, you said there about us not starting too strongly. I mean, we are amazing at the start of each second half apart from one crucial time in a 10-minute spell at Anfield, um, all season, I mean, I don't know what it is. Um, I've been meaning to write about it for ages. I've been meaning to look into it for ages because... Doping, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Doping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the doctors allowed in at half-time. Because when they come out in the second half, in that 10-minute spell, Anfield aside, we are... I don't, well, you know, a third better than we are in the first half. We we are just so strong and so fluid and so coherent. Um, so I don't know what it is. You'd have to attribute it to Pep, but then why isn't that the case in the first 10 minutes of a game? Maybe it's a purposeful uh, action 
of settling into a game and finding your rhythm, uh, yeah. which explains, you know, for the first period at least. Um, but yeah, go back to your, your your question. It's going to be huge tonight if we score first. Um, and don't get me wrong, they might well then respond, Arsenal. That might be where you see them bearing their teeth if they go behind. I can't see it though, not with this bunch. So if we if we score first, yeah, we, we could be in for a, a good night. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it'll be a full ground either. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, weather plus what happened at Wembley will keep a few, quite a few fans away because yeah, they've just had enough. Uh, so a first goal would, you know, would just worsen the mood. Yeah, I think. But we've scored first before. I remember Sane putting his head, and you know we still couldn't win there. Uh, but let's look at City. Obviously, f- even Doctor Kugat couldn't get Fernandinho onto the pitch tonight. Though there is talk of Sunday. I don't think he'll start either. Uh, Sterling, I don't think he's travelled, so he's just continuing his uh, his treatment, his fitness drive back in Manchester. So how? Big loss for City. Uh, how, who do you think will replace him, or how do you think our midfield will shape up? Um, I don't know. Is the honest answer to that? I don't know whether it's going to be Gundogan dropping deep. It conceivably could even be De Bruyne. Um, less so, but it's you know he's played in that role before and he's been very effective in that role before. Um, and of course you've got Yaya there as an option too, but I think that's the the least likely of the three there. Um, yeah, especially after what Pep said in the uh, press conference. <laughs> oh, what did he say? He said his. Uh, it was something about his. You know, can Pep play? And he, uh, can Yaya play? And he said, "Well, that's up to Yaya." He says, "It's your fate." And he went, "That's up to Yaya." So basically, he was pretty much uh, <laughs> hinting that Yaya isn't playing because Yaya isn't putting the hard yards in. Is basically if you're reading between the lines. So I think the chances of him starting are. Zero. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, personally, I believe it'll be Gundogan. Um, but um, what do you think? Do you uh, firstly, do you agree that they're, they're the main two options? Yeah, I think Gundogan comes in and Bernardo Silva. I think it's there's not a lot of other options. I can't see De Bruyne dropping back. Uh, or you bring. I mean, you could do something left field. You could put Danilo in a said, you know, in a defensive midfielder. But uh, I don't, yeah, we've been I've been proved wrong so many times predicting these sides that I think it'll just be uh, the team, yeah, you know, the midfield forward that that played from the fifty second minute onwards in the final, perhaps as a guess. Uh, but as we discussed the other match, you know, a bit later, then you know it could be that could be a factor as well. So. Uh, well, I'll ask you another question that you can't possibly know the answer to. Uh, who we go for in central defence? Oh God! Um, well, that that throws up so many kind of um, secondary questions, doesn't it? You know, kind of it, what yeah. kind of state is is Vinny in? Uh, is he able to do two consecutive games? Um, if so, obviously he's going to have to be in contention because he's going to be flying right now, isn't he? Um, but then, well, you said it at the top, it's it's a question that can't be answered. So I would just go with. Sorry. <laughs> I, I I would expect Otamendi to start and possibly with Laporte. That would be my two. Right. 
yeah, if I was guessing, and obviously it would be a guess, I'd probably go for that as well. I don't think company would play this twice in quick su- succession, but I guess he stands a chance on Sunday. So, uh, yeah. So, and we'll move on. We've got two games to look for. Yeah, you know, to look forward to. I'll just ask you quickly score prediction then for a game that's going to be very hard to. Yeah, it'd be a bit strange. And let's not forget we, we after we beat Liverpool, we went to Liverpool, didn't we? And got thrashed three nil a few days later after beating them at Wembley. Uh, so that's the complacency issue that we that that repeats itself. Uh, but go on, I'm going to ask you for a score prediction. First. Well, last Sunday I got a correct score line um, at the bookies for the first time in about three years. So, so did I. Did you? Really? I had Aguero 3-0, yeah. Oh, you had Aguero as well? I just went for 11-1, 3-0. Four of us did at 44-1. Fantastic. Never bet on a City match, ever. Like, never. I bet on other matches, but not City, but we were just in London. We said, let's put a bet on. Because our friend does Aguero 3-0 all the time. So, well, we'll do it. So, after it went to 3-0, I was just like, please take it in the corner. Don't score again. Don't score again. <laughs> Uh, so yeah sorry you were saying well yeah, I include City and Accumulators but individually I, I very rarely bet on him I just had a weird weird strong feeling it's going to be 3-0 on Sunday um, so with that in mind if I'm on a roll I want to go 3-1 or, uh, 3-1 City uh, I'll go for a tighter 2-1 uh, but we should yeah it's hard. it really is hard to know for both teams what teams turn up Uh or even who, yeah. I certainly won't be going in the bookies, put it out there. No, and I, well, I've got to put 3-0 Aguero again, just for, <laughs> yeah, if it's 1-1, so you've got to try it again for £2. Uh, yeah, and I'm not even sure what team. I mean, Wenger might surprise us with some left-field selections. It's uh, it's impossible to call, but let's hope it goes ahead. And, and I think, are you, would you rather it went ahead? I mean, quite a f- quite a few want it shoehorned into the well, not not really shoehorned. We've got two weeks off into the FA Cup quarterfinal weekend. Yeah. Well, entirely What's... selfishly, I mean, one hundred percent selfishly. Um, I work on Thursday nights, and this will be a really rare kind of uh, experience of being able to get paid to watch City. <laughs> so, yeah. with that in mind, purely selfishly, uh, I would love it to go on tonight. Yeah. I just have, I mean, we might lose anyway and not pick up points, but it does concern me the idea of, you know, having games cancelled, especially the Brighton game's been cancelled, though obviously United won't be playing then either. But, you know, the, the lead being whittled down by us not playing can be dangerous in its own way. Uh, yeah, so I'd rather we just played the games in a way. Uh, right, let's look up. Uh, we're doing a double preview, of course, because we've got, there's no rest for the wicked. Uh, Chelsea on Sunday. Yeah, speaking of wicked. Yeah, I'm like a stuck record here because I'm going to ask you the same question again. What can we expect from Chelsea? <laughs> Different reasons, uh, not the Arsenal reasons of a cup final defeat and and the mentality, but Chelsea are just another team I just can't call. I mean, what, what are they? Are they brilliant or are they weak? Are they going to be a huge test to us? I did see the United game, but it sounds like they petered off pretty much in the second half after a strong start. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I saw just a highlight. Um, it, yeah, it, I mean, 
the question I put back to you is just what do you make of Chelsea full stop? You know, like this season. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's really hard. That's so hard to pin down because as much as I dislike kind of clubs and teams and players being pigeonholed, when it comes to kind of, you know, forthcoming opponents, essentially that's what you're doing, isn't it? You kind of, you know, like we just did with Arsenal there, you define Arsenal, you say this is who they are right now. Yeah. And you can do that very easily with Manchester United, with Liverpool, with Everton, and so on and so forth. You can't with, Arsenal, uh, with Chelsea. It's really hard to. It's, it's really hard to pin them down and say, they are this type of team right now. Because we change from week to week, They've got a manager who is irascible and kind of temperamental and you, you don't know which manager is going to turn up, never mind which team is going to turn up. Um, they've got a forward in Maratta who is an exceptional centre-forward, I believe, and yet is just not not clicking. Um, you know, maybe maybe if he stays next season, it'll be different. I can't see him staying um, in English football. And they've got two players in William and Hazard who are exceptional and they do show it. And I would say that Eden Hazard is the player I least like to watch against Man City. Without question. Yeah. He's the one. If, if he's got the ball at his feet, he's he's makes me more uncomfortable than any other player in the Premier League. Uh, possibly across Europe with the exception of the obvious you know, ones such as Messi. Um, because he just makes something happen every time. And William is incredibly underrated player. Uh, I think he'll he'll be a starter for Brazil in the World Cup. If he has a good World Cup, then maybe people might wake up and realise he's not just at a very high level, he is at the highest level. So with those two players alone are enough to make me kind of fearful of the worst. Um, but then you look at the options we have and what we can offer and what we can do to them. Um, and their defence is... It's, you know, you can get out their defence now, whereas you, you very much couldn't in times gone. Um, and then just lastly, uh, you got Louise against uh, Aguero, part four or five, is it? Has he been playing or? Hmm? Has he been playing regularly, Louise? He's back, yeah. I don't know if he's been playing regularly, um, but he's, he's he's back in contention now. He's playing games. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. I... I'm confident overall, as long as the ball is not at Eden Hazard's feet. Hmm. But he's, I mean, he's the epitome of Chelsea. He's, on his day, unbeatable. And a git as well. But I don't, yeah, but I don't think he's been consistent. I mean, he's definitely more consistent this season. Uh, but bizarrely, I think he's the most subbed player as well. Uh, and obviously, Conte took him off last week and then, you know, it won all. Then when they went behind, you're like, well, we've not got our best attacking player on the pitch now. So, very strange to see. Yeah, Conte seemed to be a you know, brilliant tactician was the feeling at the end of last season. At point times this season, yeah, it still does some strange things for me. Very strange. Uh, strange selections. So, again, don't know the side. Very strong at fullback, I think. Uh, but, yeah. In the centre of defence, I'm not sure they're quite as good as they used to be. Yeah, they've got some young players as well who will develop. Uh, yeah, you just don't know. Yeah, they are strong. They're a functional, strong team with you know the threat, different threats. But I definitely think you can get down there um, or their right hand side and right. down our our left hand side. So 
and that is certainly a game where I'd, I'd be um, starting with Sinchenko uh, for his you know better attacking qualities over Danilo. Yeah. I think Victor Moses uh, gets caught out of position too often, um, and I don't think he's that much of a threat with a, with a running possession either right now. Um, he seems to have lapsed back into ordinariness after an outstanding season. So that's an area we can really get at them. Uh, down their other side, just they are brilliant. They are really strong. So um, yeah, I'd like to basically just attack them down down our left and their right. Yeah. Uh, well, they're fifth at the moment, but you know they were third a week ago. That you know it's that tight, really. Uh, Oh, have the problems been over exaggerated? Or, I mean, I watched them against Barcelona. I thought they were pretty damn good for most of the game, but 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 they switched off, and then it was one all. So you know, nothing's changed as regards. We haven't had a huge clear out. We haven't had a, a you know, there's no particular difference in personnel. So they are still essentially the same team. Um, you know, obviously Morata aside, when uh, won the league last year, so they're still a title-winning team. They've still got very good players and they still will always pose a threat and they'll always be capable of turning it on. And, you know, I've seen them this season um, for 90 minute spells where they are just the Chelsea of last season, just really strong and just together. And um, and then you see them a week later, who are you? You barely recognise them. Yeah. Yeah, just it's really, really hard to pin down. Yeah, I mean, we've discussed it on the league matters quite a lot, and I'm sure we will again about the manager and stuff. So it's probably, yeah, the ownership and their cycling of managers, uh, they just seem a very Jekyll and Hyde club sometimes. But even the site, you know, the recycling of managers doesn't seem to affect, you know, trophy winning because they still pick up trophies fairly regularly, don't they? So, well, you look at Watford and, and you know, their ability to remain in the Premier League and just go through two ma- burn through two managers a year. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not really. I don't like that because I, I like the axiom that longevity in a manager is a good thing. I yeah. like that to be true, and if anything proves that otherwise, you know, it's potentially harmful to uh, to football. So, um, yeah, I, I never really liked seeing Watford. Do well despite you know their second culture yeah. there, and the same goes for Chelsea. Um, but then again, I'm I'm not really a fan of, of Chelsea in general anyway. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm in favour of long term, yeah, longevity as well. But there's such a small sample size nowadays that uh, it's hard to put it to the test. Now, as for City, will the team selection from Pep be heavily influenced by the three games in a week, or oh, and? Or will it be influenced by how many points we pick up against Arsenal? Oh, that's a good question, because I think the latter might well come into it. I don't think it'll be down to the three games in a week, considering that one of those three games is against Basel, and you would expect that to be viewed as you know, a chance to, to build the Fodens and Diaz's if possible. Oh, no, sorry, I meant the... Uh, I meant because of the cup final, then Arsenal... I'm not sure we're playing there. Uh, I'm not sure when we're, we're not playing Basel to the week after, I think. Oh, is it this Wednesday? Damn. <laughs> I'll change my plans again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the, the obviously, <laughs> I think Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd mentioned this on the, uh, you know, the Kids Do All Right pod with uh, Stephen. There's nothing, no team we could put out against Basel that we could mess that up. 
<laughs> which immediately got me panicking. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Basel's not the big. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about Basel. I was thinking more, you know, Cup final Thursday, uh, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. Will that, yeah, will it affect the team he puts out or the results? So? Um, no, I, I, because if, if we're looking back at the Cup final as well and assimilating that into it, then. Chelsea would be the third fixture and so it really would be a case of looking at your troops really and seeing who's still got lots left in the tank and who's fully fit so um, I think that would be the biggest consideration there um, and I would expect really you don't go up against Arsenal and Chelsea and play a weak inside it's, that's just a given isn't it so I would expect the strongest 11s to appear tonight and on Sunday uh, yeah what about Jesus? Does he? Well, he's a, he's yeah, he he's a wild card to throw in because um, I was so chuffed to see him on Sunday. Just you know, yeah. I, I wasn't even the city fan next to me said was really wanting him to do something. You know, it was like, oh, it'd be great if he kind of you know could score and come back with a goal. And, and of course, that's that's you know, I agree with that entirely. But I just wanted him to basically just have a run around, just get some minutes in his legs. Yeah, um, and so that was fabulous to see that. Um, I can't see him starting tonight. Do you think... Um, no, I can't, no. No, and do you think he'll start on Sunday? Only if we win. Well, it depends on Guerrero again, because he's carrying everything on his shoulders, hasn't he? So... Against Arsenal tonight, you think that Jesus could start against Chelsea? I'm not sure. It depends on the... It depends on Aguero's uh, fitness, because he can't... I don't think Aguero can play both again. Yeah, yeah. He's asking a lot on Aguero. Uh I'm not sure. He could throw a surprise. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. Tonight might be the one. But uh, the other thing is, if, if we beat Arsenal, which surely seals the deal for the league, would he spring? Would you think he spring a surprise by putting someone like Foden in against Chelsea? Just one left field, you know, one player like that. Or as, as Lloyd and Stephen argued, he's not really a manager who takes many risks until, you know, completely sure that the job is done. Well, that's the thing. I think it, it that's the nature of the opponents more than anything because, um, you know, all respect to them, but if it was, say, Watford on Sunday or if it, if it was kind of um, West Ham, for example, we'd be having a very different conversation right now. So I, I think, it, you know, all these factors that we're talking about, of course, they're relevant, but ultimately it comes down to the strength of the and the quality of the opposition. So... If it is against Arsenal and it is against Chelsea, you wouldn't expect too many surprises in there, even when you, you bring all these other factors in of, of how many games in a week and kind of, you know, the fitness of Aguero, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would expect him to play his strongest. Uh, you know, I, I'm very well, well be proven wrong here, but I'd expect him to play his strongest 11 um, in, the, in the next two games to come. Okay. Uh, well... One thing to do. Another prediction for you, please. Um, did I didn't get? Oh yes, you did get you two one to um to City. Yeah, okay. So do you want to go first on this one? Damn. Uh, <laughs> God, are these two of the hardest games to predict for the whole season? I think because just the it's the opposition of the problem more than uh, than City. And yeah, Chelsea the hardest to. I'm going to say it's a draw. I'd be. Uh, I'm going to go two all. Yeah. Would you be happy? 
with four points over the, these next two games. Yeah. I was going to say, as long as we win one of them, um, I'll be very happy with four points. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, these are undoubtedly. I, I know we've uh, still got Spurs ahead down at theirs, um, but that's kind of an isolated one. The fact that these two are, are, are kind of clumped together, um, this is a big challenge ahead. Really, this is a real. You know, if we can navigate this and come out of it, emerge with four points. I mean, you'd expect us to win the league anyway, but yeah, that that we could really put our feet up a little bit then. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know how many games left. Twenty, there'd be nine games left, and we'd have a minimum. If if United won at Palace, I think they're away at Palace on the Monday night. Uh, Weather should have cleared by then. We'd have a minimum fourteen point lead. So, oh, if they win, we're 14 points clear with nine games to go. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I can't remember the wording of it, but something really rang true. Um, well, I saw a tweet, and I'm going back quite a few, couple of months now. Uh, it's over the Christmas period, and I can't you know recall the exact wording, but it essentially said, if City blow it from here, then, yeah, we'll just take all the flack that's thrown at us because we'll have deserved it. And, and you know, that's, that's how I felt the last couple of months, you know. That's why yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm hardly getting cocky and carried away and, and go around kind of saying we've won the league. But I'm not kind of being all hesitant either and, and saying and, and throwing in lots of caveats. Um, because, frankly, if City would throw the league away from here, then, yeah, we would be a laughing stock. We would have to just <laughs> take it on the chin, so... You might as well uh, enjoy it while, while this you know incredible run lasts. I think. Yeah, sadly, I don't think we win the league when we play United anyway. So I think when that comes to I'll just want to win it. I'm not really that bothered about things. Aside to it as well, because you know if they'd have won that game, United, then you know you know what it's like. You know, short term footballers these days, they, yeah. they would have took a great deal of pride in in satisfaction and denying us the league as they would have. You know, worded it so. Um, yeah, there was a little downside to that, anyway. Yeah, true. Right. Well, I think we've covered everything. Uh, sorry, we didn't have time for questions, but we'll we'll return to them next time. Uh, thank you very much, Steve. Pleasure as always, mate. Yeah, uh, let's hope for well, let's hope for a game tonight. <laughs> let's hope for that City get at least four points in the next few days. Uh, obviously, we'll have reviews coming up of all the games and many more shows besides so thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon